message is part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Today's teaching is by Pastor Daryl Ruiz. On this Memorial Day weekend, it's fitting that we would conclude our communion sermon series. C.S. Lewis once said, what a church needs is not better arguments, but better analogies, better pictures, better, better portraits. The Lord's Supper is just that, isn't it? It's a picture. It's an, an example of something more than just the bread and the wine. But it is in the bread and in the wine. It is something we can grasp, something we can hold on to and even, and even taste. Jesus was an expert at painting pictures, wasn't he? He was an expert at drawing analogies so that our hearts, not just our heads, could understand. For a few weeks, we tried to take different seats around the Lord's table in hopes of seeing from different perspectives, from different vantage points, all the, all the different facets and lessons that we could gain from the Lord's table. Hopefully, you've noticed some things that you hadn't before. In the first week, we paused as Jesus did as the meal began. Scripture says that he noticed something it was awry, something, something was missed. And you'll remember I pulled out the basin and the towel, and we talked about how Jesus took off his outer garments, and he, he decided that, listen, the meal cannot go on until, until we're clean. And as sort of an appetizer to the meal, he taught them about the fact that he would have to wash them to make them clean. In the second week, we brought out the door. And we looked at how in both the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the symbol of grace and mercy and, and faith all came through on both occasions, Old Testament and New Testament, through a table. Through a table. Of course, the remembrance table in the New Testament and the Old Testament, the Passover table. But there was also a door. In the Old Testament, the Passover happened because there was a door and there was, there was blood to be placed over the doorpost so that the angel of death would pass over their house. But in the New Testament, we found in Revelation 3 that there is a door in which the, the Savior stands and he knocks. It's the door of our heart. And he says, if you will let me come in, I will sup with you. I will have fellowship with you. And so we saw that the, the table was really a door. If we wanted fellowship with God, we had, we had to humble ourselves, open up the door. And it doesn't matter what our door looks like. If it's broken and, and shattered and, and tattered and, and weathered, that, that has no consequence. If we would repent, humble ourselves, if we would only open the door for the Lord, He will come in. And so humility was required. But where there is humility, all we found are welcome at His table. In the third week, we pulled the crown out and we... We hung the crown and we used it as the symbol of the horrible reality of his passion and his death. We talked about the very specifics about how he was beaten, humiliated, forced to the cross, but yet at his own accord, he was crucified for our sins. And we saw the, the mess of the cross. And we were humbled. In the fourth week, we sat together at the table and realized that there was something on the table that Jesus saw that maybe we hadn't seen before. We, we 
we heard the words that were recorded in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus says to his disciples, I've earnestly desired to share this meal with you. But we, but we know that when Jesus looks at the table and he sees the bread and the wine, he knows what those things mean. And so that's a strange thing for Jesus to say, that I, that I earnestly desire to share this meal with you because, because to share that meal, he would have to face his coming crucifixion. He would, he would have to face broken and spilled out. Why would he... Why would he earnestly desire to do that if he, if he didn't on the table see something else? And you remember that week we had carved out there that what he saw on the table through the pain, through the hurt, through the broken and spilled out, he saw us. He saw our sins. He saw our need for a Savior. And so for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He saw us on the table. And once again, we were humbled. Today, our last look at the Lord's Supper, as I said earlier, falls on Memorial Day. And that's, that's a good thing. This, this morning, I want to give you the basics of a memorial. The basics of this memorial. And then I'll wrap up with just a few lessons for all memorials. This memorial is called the Lord's Supper. And so you get right away who it is about. I'm going to give you the who, what, when, where, and why of the Lord's Memorial Supper. The Lord's Supper tells us the who straight away. Jesus himself was the instigator of the thing. He was the initiator of this meal. What was it? Very simply, it was a meal with his friends. It was a meal that he was sharing with his disciples. More on that in a moment. We would find out that it wasn't just any meal by asking the when question. When was the meal taking place? It was just before Jesus' arrest, his trial, his beatings, and his crucifixion. Thus, it is also called not just the Lord's Supper, it's referred to as the Last Supper. It would be his last. But you also need to know that the when was during the celebration of the nation of Israel called Passover. It just so happens, not by accident, but by God's providence, that this is Passover time in Israel. That's, that's the when. So this meal wasn't just a meal with his friends. It, it, wasn't just, it wasn't just any casual meal. It was a memorial meal. And it would forever be marked as such. A meal that Israel was commanded to celebrate long ago. This wasn't the first time that they would share this Passover meal. A meal that Israel was commanded to celebrate not just long ago, but they were commanded to celebrate perpetually. Every year they were to mark this time. And they had began doing so as they were commanded every year since Israel escaped from Egyptian rule. So understanding when Jesus initiated the Lord's Supper helps us to know better and understand the what question. So let's move on to the what. What was this meal? It was a meal, but not just an ordinary meal between friends. It was a celebration and it was a memorial of something. It was, as I said, Passover. And you remember the story of Passover. After 430 years of slavery to the Egyptians, God was to set free the nation of Israel through a guy named, anybody remember? Moses, very good. God tried to play nice with Pharaoh, but, but Pharaoh wasn't cooperating. You saw the movie. It's never a good idea to tell God no. God gave Pharaoh nine warnings. Nothing gets someone's attention like a good series of plagues. Amen? The last plague is recorded in Exodus 11. God warned that he would strike dead the firstborn of every family. 
in the land, including the Israelites. And yet, as was typically God's way, He would make a way to escape that coming judgment. In God's mercy, a way of grace was made. Death could be escaped, but only by faith. The instructions were simple, you'll remember. Each family was to find among the flocks of their own a one-year-old unblemished lamb. Not some old broke-down, half-dead anyway, so we can spare it lamb. Not, not that guy that was just dragging one leg out in the, in the corner of the pasture. They were to find their best lamb, the choice lamb. And the instructions weren't that they were just to sacrifice that lamb straight away. Step two was to bring that lamb into your house. And for four days, you and the kids would name that lamb, you would pet that lamb, you would take care of that lamb. You would live with that little lamb for four days. And then, after that, you were to kill that lamb. Now, you're going to eat the lamb as a family meal, but before you do, there is something else. And this is where the name Passover comes from as a celebration. This is the part that actually guards your house from the angel of death that God was sending over the land. This was the grace of God. And this lamb was the grace of God. From the blood of that lamb you were to paint, as we saw many weeks ago, on the doorpost of your home. And as you did that, and the angel of death would pass over, as you would fall under that grace provided by God, by faith, marking your home, that angel of death would pass over. You were saved by grace through faith. This leads us to the where question. The where question of this, this memorial, this old but new memorial. The Gospels say that Jesus sent two of his most trusted disciples ahead to secure a place for the meal in the city. The city is Jerusalem. This is the city in which the Passover must take place. The city in which the Passover lamb must be slain. Jesus would go on to say, as we mentioned earlier, I have eagerly desired to share this Passover meal with you before I suffer. And if you read the account, you find out that it became this, this sort of cloak and dagger search that Jesus sent the disciples on to find the right place to have this meal together. Peter and John were to tell the owner of the home, quote, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. Now notice what is said. Jesus did not instruct them to say, the Passover is near. That would have made some sense. But Jesus says, let them know that my appointed time is near. That leads me to another question. We've seen the who, the what, the when, and, and the where, Jerusalem. Let's end with a why. And notice I said a why because there are several whys to, to these questions, right? But I'm going to give you one. As we've done every week that we have shared this meal together, you've heard the words that Jesus was has given the disciples to share. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Let me suggest to you that maybe we put the emphasis on a, on a different syllable, if you will. That we focus not so much on the remembrance. I mean, that, that's, that, that's always been understood to be the point of the thing, right? This memorial, it's so that we remember. But what's interesting here is that Jesus 
Jesus says the remembrance is going to shift. Now the remembrance is of me. We tend to focus on the remembrance, and that makes perfect sense because it's the Passover meal. It's the meal of remembrance. What's unique, though, about Jesus' words is that he hijacks the focus of this memorial. Do this in remembrance of me. In that moment, Jesus changed everything. He changed everything that they knew about this memorial meal. They had done this every year. They were accustomed to it. They understood the history of it. They understood the whys, but now Jesus changes the why. He says, do this now in remembrance of me. The focus would change. His coming, the Messiah's coming, was the culmination of all that had been done thus far. It's why John the Baptist, when Jesus came onto the scene, John the Baptist would say, Behold, the Lamb. The Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Why was, that, why was that such a bold statement? Why was that such an amazing statement? Answer, because Jesus was the fulfillment. Once for all of the annual Passover Lamb. There would be no need for another Lamb from that moment forward. Jesus was the perfect Lamb and the final Lamb. And forevermore, the meal would be transformed. Now, do we forget all the reasons, all the whys for the meal up to this point? No. In fact, it is the what that explains the why. Do this, this thing that you've been doing. Do what? This, this, this Passover memorial that you've been doing all these years. Do this now in remembrance of me. Scripture would say of Jesus, Behold the Lamb. The Lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Worthy is the Lamb to receive honor and glory forevermore. Jesus is the final Lamb. He's the perfect Lamb. This wasn't an everyday meal. It was, it was wrought full of meaning. Israel was saved by grace through faith. And this memorial meal marked that. They were saved by grace through faith and they were bound, you'll remember, for a promised land. In Jesus, the final Lamb, we are saved by grace through faith and we are promised a new forever home, our own promised land. Jesus changed everything. He changed the past. He changed the present. And through this meal, He changes our future. We do this in remembrance of what He has done for us. Memorials, um, and at this time of year we think of many, can be simple, like, like bread and wine. They can be more complex, like, like many of the memorials around our country. All memorials, in my estimation, mean to do three things. Three things. Number one, memorials mean to teach. Number two, they mean to humble. And, and number three, they mean to inspire. Let me explain. When you stand before the marker of some great war, or some, some great event, or even, even, even the marker of some single individual, you should learn something. That monument, that marker, that memorial is intended to teach you something. It's intended to educate you. 
You should, you should learn about why it's there, what it means. What is the cause for this thing? Why was this life, why was this moment, why was this event marked in history for all that would come after to see? Memorials are intended to, to teach us, to educate us. Not only that, though, memorials are intended to humble us. Think about that. Memorials are intended to humble us. Most likely that moment, that life has been marked for its greatness. Something big happened here. We should sense, I think, at any great memorial or any single memorial, our smallness. That we should be brought low in the, in the, in the presence of memorials. There should be a humbling. We should sense our smallness in light of the magnitude of what is marked in this place. Memorials mark something amazing. Things uh, that should humble us as they represent. I dare you to walk the grounds of Arlington National Cemetery through and up the cross-covered hills past the chaplain's memorial and make your way back to the, the tomb of the unknown soldier that is guarded day and night and not be humbled. Memorials are intended to educate, yes. Teach, yes. But they, they have to humble. They have to humble. Yet memorials are meant for more than teaching and humbling. After all, I think memorials are meant to inspire. Memorials are meant to inspire. Hopefully through this series you've learned some stuff. As we've taken different seats around the table, I hope you've, you've been taught some things through Scripture, through, through the different perspectives around the Lord's table that maybe you hadn't known before. I hope you've learned some things. I hope that as we especially saw some of the sobering moments of Christ's uh, torture and crucifixion, that you, that you were humbled, that you saw the bigness of your God and that you were brought low and amazed. I pray that you, were, that you were made to be in awe of what was accomplished and what is marked by this memorial. But we would fail if we go through this series of sermons and we're just taught and humbled. If we're not inspired, then the memorial hasn't fulfilled its complete purpose. Memorials are intended not just to teach and not just to humble, but I'm confident that they are intended to inspire us. And the Lord's table is, is no different. You might argue that it should inspire us beyond any other memorial there is. Today, your communion is to go, thus the brown bags. point this morning is that the Lord's Supper, this memorial, should move you to action. What we've learned here, what has instilled humility in us here, has to inspire us here. It can't just be something we come and gather around and enjoy and then, and then we go back to our daily business. There has to be something about this memorial, about this thing that we were commanded to do by the Savior Himself that moves us to action.
On the bag is a red flower. Any guess why there's a red flower? It is a poppy, or my best version of a poppy. Every year for this sermon, I read the World War I poem, Flanders Fields. This is the reason, most likely, that the poppy has become the Memorial Day flower. In Flanders Fields, the poppies blow between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place, and in the sky the larks still bravely singing fly scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago, we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow. Loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders' fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from falling, failing hands we throw. The torch be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' fields. In Western Europe, all the way back to the Napoleonic Wars and then into World War I, something would happen that was noticeable during times of war. In these Western European fields, there would be these red flowers that would bloom in the midst of war. I didn't know this until this year, and I started doing a little more research on the poem that I read every year, but the poppy is a flower that lies dormant in its seeds until the ground is disturbed. And in times of war, when the shells would fall and when the tanks would roll, this ground would be disturbed. And as men would fall and blood would be shed, these red flowers would bloom. And so it was a a strange thing. It was was an ironic thing that there would be such beauty growing out of these, these times of great pain. Dr. John McRae would work on these wounded men. He would watch them die. And it's said that in between moments of him trying to care for the wounded and the dying, he sat down and, and wrote Flanders Fields' poem. What I learned this year was that uh, later on, um, a lady named uh, Monia Michael She made a personal pledge after reading Flanders Field's poem. She made a personal pledge to keep the faith of those who had fallen under the poppies. She felt compelled to make make a note of this pledge and hastily scribbled down a response entitled, We Shall Keep the Faith on the back of a used envelope. From that day, she vowed to wear a red poppy in Flanders Fields as a sign of remembrance. Later, she would help to make the poppy become the memorial flower. Here's the the verse that she wrote as a response to Flanders' poem. You'll remember the last words. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw. The torch be yours to hold it high. If you break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' fields. Her response, oh, you who sleep in Flanders' fields, sleep sweet. To rise anew, we caught the torch you threw. And holding high, we keep the faith with all who died. Memorials are intended to inspire us.
Charles teach us some things about great men and women, about great moments in history, about great events, about great individuals. At their marker, we should be, we should be humbled. At their bravery, at their courage, at their, at their humility, at their willingness, at their service, at their sacrifice, for sure, we should be humbled. But we would fall short. And we would do them dishonor who lay below those markers if we do not catch the torch that they throw. If we do not carry on the cause against their foe. No place is that more true than at the memorial table of Jesus Christ. Do this in remembrance of me. Every time you, every time you eat it, do this in remembrance of me. The one who, the one who washed our feet, the one who bore the, the crown, the one who, who saw our sin at the table and yet for the glory set before him endured the cross, endured the pain. For the one who instituted the, the memorial of his own life it would be a failing if those who gather to celebrate it are only taught and humbled and never inspired. Your communion this week is to go. You get a, you get a grape juice, you get some crackers, and you get a copy of um, the response to Flanders Fields. You may, never, you may never partake of it. Maybe you just set it on your bookshelf. Maybe it goes on your desk at work as a, as a reminder that this memorial above all others should move us, should move us to action, to service. And maybe Jesus' own words are the best. Go into all the world making disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all the things that I've taught you. Teach them to obey these things. Then we would honor the one fallen below this marker. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for pictures, for portraits, for bread and for wine. Lord, I thank you that it's not a memorial that's in some far-off land that maybe we'll never get to. I thank you that it's not a memorial, Lord, that is, uh, frankly, um, some grand thing, some magnificent thing, that we, would, um, that we would be amazed by it alone. Father, thank you that, that you chose these simple elements, these daily elements, to remind us, not only of the meanings, not only of the history, not only of the lessons, not only that we... We pale in comparison to your faithfulness to us. Not only, Lord, are we, we to be humbled and awed by your, by your grace and your mercy. But, Lord, thank you for choosing daily elements. Our very provision that we would be reminded daily that we have to go. That we have to honor you with our lives. And so, Lord, for this... Uh, For this memorial, we, um, we ask that you would change our, our perspective. May we never approach the bread and the wine the same, Lord. Unless we're willing to, to catch the torch and take up 
the battle against your foe. May we, may we never participate at this table again. But for those who would be inspired to take up their own cross, to enter into the Lord's army, for those who are willing to put their own priorities and their own goals and their own, their own life's career aspirations, all those things to the side, Lord, and, 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 and move forward in your will, Lord. For those, your table is wide open. And we give it all the respect and honor it is due through our life. Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.